Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Local Earshot Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brad Biggs. This podcast is brought to you by yours truly, uh, 13-Step Tone Solutions and More Bands Media. More Bands Media is my co-host, Jonathan Grissom. Jonathan, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. Uh, today we got Jerry jo- Jerry Lowlife on the episode. Jerry Lowlife is a tech touring stage manager, um, road manager, and also recently uh, host of Jerry Lowlife interviews. And he does that uh, online. It's across all all different. It's on Facebook, YouTube, Discord, the, you name it. And uh, so we're going to get into that here in just a little bit. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. If you guys uh, feel like helping us out, help us uh, with any costs associated with the show or whatever, help us out. Go to localearshot.com slash donate and help us out. If you're out there, you're a business owner, and you're into the live music scene, the live music stuff, whatever that encompasses, it's a lot of things at this point, uh, give us a shout-out, man. Maybe we can uh, get together on and uh, figure something out, work together on this show. So, um, anyways... On with the goddamn show. Jerry Lowlife, how are you, sir? <laughs> I am doing absolutely super fantastic. Absolutely now. Awesome. Everything's man. super fantastic. Thank mm-hmm. you for bearing with us through the technical difficulties. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's, uh, that, that is, uh, and, and while we were setting up, that's something we can go right into because it's something I'd like to learn more about. Um, and something you definitely have more mm-hmm. experience with is is doing the video uh, gig with this whole podcasting, live streaming, whatever it is, and uh, Discord, TikTok. For, well, TikTok was the new thing, but Discord is one that's always been in our consciousness, and it's something we're we're kind of looking at now, going into twenty twenty three. And uh, have you had when you when you size the two up for what you do? What have you had better luck with, and and kind of like what's been your kind of the path you've taken um so to kind of start from like a beginning point uh, perspective you know when i retired in 2017 in the music industry i really never touched any of this kind of stuff but i always wanted to have my show so um one thing I started investigating was um, I just started getting on and, and looking for different things that was good for broadcasting, um, you know, and, and one of the things I stuck with for a long time was Streamlabs OBS. I did try OBS as well, but uh, Streamlabs OBS is really good because it helps a beginner kind of like uh, utilize a lot of things and it makes it streamlined. It's a little bit easier to use. And then Discord, um, I was introduced to mainly because I have a lot of friends that are gamers, things like that. Um, and a lot of gamers use Discord, but also there's a lot of talk shows that use it as well. So um, just in getting used to those type of things, um, I found it to be very easy and it's it's very uh, uh user-friendly like uh there's people like i was talking uh, i was talking about before this got started um i have a lot of people that i interviewed that weren't very familiar even with discord and within 20 seconds of 
be getting them on there. Um, they were already on there showing their videos and they can actually use like their phones or anything. And it's super easy, super, uh, friendly. So yeah, I mean, um, that's pretty much in a nutshell, the quick answer. Well, and uh, yeah. And like, I think we've, we've tried several different, uh, kind of ways of going about it when we've done our video stuff we tried facebook live and those like the social media offerings are pretty limited but um as far as what they're what they're there for uh, they they do okay but they're not really uh you know they're not they're not a show and and it's it's something we've been kicking around for a long time it's like all right video that's great and it's like everybody i mean when it comes to podcasting everybody looks to the big ones joe rogan and obviously that and that's a the lord knows how expensive of a production but it's like i think you can we can get in a uh, the ballpark and do it pretty well and then the next question mm-hmm. is how do you get it to the people and then it's that's when those other hosting sites and these different ways of doing it come into play and and discord i thought was strictly video games i had no idea that people were doing like entire shows on there it's it's almost its own thing oh no 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 so like there's even i found that there's actual communities on there even people from uh you know let's say people in schools you know teachers used them during covid to teach other you know, students and things like that. There's even people that's used it for uh, just communication, you know, friends online that try to communicate with one another that may live in other countries. Um, I know a lot of people in the music industry that use it, you know, like uh, there's a lot of useful things in it and there's a lot, it's a very powerful platform. Um, And like I said before, you know, we started doing the the broadcast. Um, There's a lot of, uh, things that you can put in there as well, like for people to check out, even when you build your own community on there, you know, for people to come in and, and, and talk to one another. Uh, maybe you can set it up to where there's a community where people could come in and find out concerts that are happening local for, for musicians. You could even probably even start your own little news um, of, of current events that are going on and people can chime in and talk about it on that discord. It's just limit. It's limitless. It's there's so much things you can do with it. And I I've learned that over time where I've done that myself and uh, I've included that on my own discord. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's very powerful and it's awesome. And yes, a lot of, a lot of video game players do use it because of being that powerful. So, I mean, yep, uh, yep. Uh, yeah, and that's definitely something we're gonna have to 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 seek out as far as like what we do and what we're about. Um, Jonathan Grissom, he he's with uh, More Bands Media. We're trying to build a network of of kind of that, anyways, just local musicians or at least musicians in and around like the Southwest region that can have a a network that we can you know, hook up or whatever we need to do if we need to do it and uh, see if we can right, right. play a, build a band maybe in this part of the country from time to time. <laughs> uh, but take us back a little bit with yourself and uh, kind of where where your background is with it. And, and I know it's uh, typically we, we interview direct musicians and people that are, are in that space of the live entertainment thing and i know you come from a little bit of a different background from the tech spot and the management spot so uh tell us a little bit about yourself on that one 
Um, okay, so I'll kind of start from the beginning. Um, and I'll be as short as possible. I got so much stuff that kind of builds to it. But um, long story short, you know, I obviously was a kid that played music. I was a band nerd. Um, I had one of my first bands in high school. We were called Scal. Um, we were all into like New York hardcore stuff, like Sick of It All, Agnostic Front, um, that kind of thing. East Coast hardcore punk. Um, then when I was about 19 years old, um, right out of high school, I, uh, got into a band called low life, hence the name Jerry low life. Mm. Everyone calls me by, um, there's so many epic things that happened when I was in that band. They were the first band I got to open for a national band and it was coal chamber, um, at tower theater, um, and I thought that was so awesome because I was like, wow, you know, I never got to do anything like this before. What year are we talking and, on that with the Cold Chamber thing? Um, like 97. Oh, so that was, yeah, they were the shit yeah. at that point. Yeah, 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 it was about 97. Um, and then within that same uh, same time frame, um, we were working for, well, I say we were working for, but we were helping a distributing agency, um, and it was called Streetwise, and they made these compilation CDs for bands like Disturbed, Slipknot, System of a Down, and we would like pass these CDs out at our shows and stuff to help distribute new music and to get people listening to new things upcoming, you know what I mean? And uh, at one point in time, they actually started paying attention to us. And it was really cool. So we started meeting these bands like Slipknot on MP3.com when they were nobodies. And we actually brought Slipknot's first gig out of town here to Oklahoma City. And um, it was absolutely amazing. I actually have a flyer I can send you. It was hand-wrote and signed by everybody on that tour nice. um, from that time. And it was like overnight they blew up. It was crazy. Um, so we got to do a lot of shows like that. I got to learn a lot about the industry locally by a lot of people. Um, I uh, later on in low life um, on my out game, um, I had a buddy of mine named Noah Robinson and he was leaving a band. We were practicing at a place called the, the music box, but, but at that time it was called the downtown music box and it was off like Penn in Virginia in downtown Oklahoma city. Um, and he was leaving a band and coming down this hallway and we were like in studio one and it was a nice recording, like just a rehearsal studio. We had our own showers, bathrooms. We had a wet bar in there. It was just awesome. But um, anyways, he's leaving the band and we needed a new guitar player. So he just like walked in. Well, where this ties in, he was with us for maybe two or three weeks before he left. Um, but he then became the, the, the vocalist for a band called Bleed the Sky. Um, and at that time, Low Life broke up and he was really, uh, he, he felt bad for me because we had a lot of stuff, opportunities that got passed for us in Low Life. And he was like, hey, do you want to come out as a tech, like a roadie? And I did. And uh, that's how I met Austin Diamond, which is currently the drummer for Chimera, played with Devil Driver, all those kind of things. Um, it just kind of snowballed. You know, there was just this thing. It just kept happening. Like, the next thing I know, Austin's playing with Chimera because he had a side project with Rob Arnold called The Elite. And Austin literally put his career on the line for me. He said, hey, you know, 
I have a drum deck I want, and that's one of the stipulations before I join Chimera. And I'm like, wow, you know. So the next day, I know I'm stage managing and drum teching for Chimera, and then later on, you know, Matt DeVries, the guitar player for Fear Factory, or the guitar player for Chimera, goes and plays bass for Fear Factory. And they needed a stage manager in Trump Tech. And the next thing I know, I'm out doing that stuff with them, you know. And it's like everything just started happening. And then later on in life, I'm out, like, doing shows with Kiss and Def Leppard. And I'm out working for a band called Cobra and the Lotus. And it just snowballs. It's just such a small world. Once you get into that point, um, you just kind of get to know everybody because you're playing festivals, um, in Europe, where there's like thousands and millions of people, but yet the network behind the scenes is so small that we have to find other gigs. Once one gig stops, you know, a tech goes to work for another band. So bands tour a lot, but technicians tour all the time because they have to constantly have jobs. I was actually going to ask you about that. Like, what is that is one thing I've as a musician i have changed my perspective on as i've gotten older and marriage kids mortgages and all that it piles up and the idea of being a road dog is not something i don't think i could go out and do these days and when you hear about how long some of these tours haul on for like man and i'm i'm with you like the the stars on the stage they usually do it in an eight week rotation i think is what it's pretty standard right now but most of the guys behind the scenes they run it like long haul truckers like it just doesn't end and it's like when mm-hmm. did uh when did you when did it hit you that you were cut out for that or or on vice versa maybe not so much and realized oh shit <laughs> well I didn't have a whole lot going on in my life. I totally dedicated my life to music. And what I mean by that is, you know, I did have a girlfriend in the beginning and that kind of stuff. But, you know, when I was gone a lot, I never had kids. I never got married. I never I didn't have much to tie me down other than my immediate family, you know, and it just it was an opportunity i wanted to see the world i wanted to have that experience you know and once you start doing it and you start getting to a point where you're seeing so many things you're doing so many things yeah you're working you're working all the time but you're getting to see it smell it do it eat it fill it all the above on your own without anyone else telling you how it is And that in itself is worth more than any amount of money that can be paid for you. The experience to make new friends and be able to see other cultures in this world and how amazing and beautiful it is, is there's no words to explain it. Um, And I think that's, that was the driving point for me to keep going. I mean, I would tell you the worst thing about touring was traveling. Traveling sucked. I hated being on planes. I mean, I I think the longest plane flight I ever was on was probably uh, a tour I did with Fear Factor. It was a world tour. It was the anniversary of the Demanufacturer tour. And uh, I did a flight at one point from Cape Town, South Africa, all the way to Dubai. And it had an hour layover. And when we flew from Dubai over the North Pole into Los Angeles, and I think total hours was 37 hours, 
with like two hours in an airport. I've been on those flights. So I was in a, yeah, I was I was in a cylinder for thirty five hours. You know what I mean? In the air, it's just crazy. But you know, there's there's a lot to be said about that, man. Life experiences. One thing I wished I wouldn't have been doing at that time was smoking cigarettes because that was very irritable when you couldn't smoke a cigarette for that long. I mean, people left me alone. I'd get off the plane and like where everyone's getting their luggage and they're like, Jerry, there's like new people maybe on the crew. They're like, Jerry, you're not getting your luggage. And people would be like, dude, don't mess with Jerry right now. He'll rip your head off. Let him go outside and smoke a cigarette. Just let him do it. And it was bad, man. I'd just be like, don't talk to me. You know, like, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it was that was the driving force behind it all. And of course, you had your own some people were more fortunate than the others depending on the band you worked for. This never really happened to me, but I knew friends that worked for bigger bands that actually got put on retainer. So, you know, why they were on downtime um and went was it touring, they would actually get paid for their downtime not to go work for anyone else. Um and uh, that that would have been awesome. But, you know, I always had work. And the bands I worked for were very busy. They had to be, you know. Um, and because uh, they weren't like the huge, huge bands. But they're definitely not the small bands. Yeah. And uh, with everything changing in the industry for uh, record sales and all that stuff doesn't really exist anymore. Um Bands are forced to tour because then they only make money on their ticket sales and merch big time. So well, and it seems like even if, and I, this is not this is an area I don't know a lot about when it comes to the big big labels, but I know quite a bit about at least at the smaller and mid ranges. Uh, like you said, when things really started changing, the contract structures have changed too, and it's like yeah, some of these deals they want they want a piece of. Of everything, like I, I get it. If you want to pay me a yeah. bunch of money to go in and cut an album, and you want to reap the benefits of that, but if I go out on the road and play that album and sell my T-shirts and merch and whatever, that's my money. Like that's not your money. That's my money. Uh, but it ain't that way. And it's right. it's it's something that it took me a long time to actually see the how it works and and some of the structures of it. But it's very very interesting when you start seeing how it all stacks up. Yeah. Yeah, it's there's a lot that goes to it for sure, you know. And I learned a lot of that being a tech, you know. I was a bill. I was a bill for these bands. Yeah. I had nothing to do with anything else, and that was the great thing about it. So, I hate to say it this way, but at the end of the day, I felt more comfortable about that in my decisions in being a technician um because seeing what the bands had to deal with in the long run it's a huge responsibility and there's a lot of things that they have to account for, you know, to be doing the things they're doing. And it blows my mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stepping stones locally here in Oklahoma, big time. I stage managed at the diamond ballroom for years. Um, you know, I worked for a lot of local promoters. I'm sure you've heard some of them. Tony Proctor, um, even before then, I Max Baker. Max Baker's you know. a big one around, yeah. Um, there's, you know, a lot of people that I learned from, man. There were stepping stones, like, you know, uh, 
a, a really good dude that I want to absolutely give a big shout out to is Sean McGillicuddy. Um, and Sean was a, he, he had his own band called Spooky Fruit. Um, they're still kind of around too, but Sean was a stage manager at the Diamond a lot. And uh, he also did the Zoo Amphitheater and stuff like that. And I learned a lot from him, man, you know, and uh, big stepping stones here in Oklahoma City. You know, I learned a lot from a lot of people and it was really, I'm very fortunate to be where I was at, to be honest, you know, because it is a lot of work, but it's also politics and being at the right place at the right time. Because I know plenty of people that do just as good as I would have if they were in my same scenario, I guess you could say, but it seems like that, 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 you know, that sums up a little bit of everything. It seems like, especially when you throw the, a little bit of, it's just politics and being at the right place at the right time, you know? Um, what is some things, uh, especially on the, on the, on the fallout or not the fallout, but the backside of COVID we'll say, uh, with things really booming and open back up, I think, from what we've talked about and what we've seen is like everything had turned into a fucking festival there for a little while. And I think next year we're, we're kind of seeing the other side of the bell curve. Everything kind of was a big rush there after everything was shut down. Now we're going to see it pulled back a little bit. And like, where, where do you see it going? Um, from a business point of view, what do you see? And from a fan point of view, what do you hope to see? Um, so, you know, not to get off subject a little bit, but on subject, like I retired from the music industry in 2017. Um, I lost both of my parents in a two year period and I have a sister that's diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia Hmm. and I'm all that she has. So I obviously retired from the music industry for family reasons because family's first and um and that was in 2017 pre-covid and luckily enough i found a good job to uh support me in that that era um and i started doing my podcasting uh, mainly because i loved the music industry and i kind of wanted to give back and i had a lot of people calling me messaging me hey man what's going on with these guys what's going on with these dudes what are these people doing since everything's shut down and i decided man maybe i should start doing a show and that's why i started doing my show because i mean what are these guys doing they take up new hobbies they going fishing are they doing you know and all this stuff anyways you fast forward a couple years just like you said everything's kind of opening up people are going out they're going to shows they're doing these kind of things now Um, I feel that, you know, I think it's going to keep going strong, to be honest. Yeah, there's going to be, um, a point where, um, you know, it's a chance in certain aspects. Um, I think at the end of the day, a lot of us can't make the big decisions of what is actually going to be what's available to people and what's not. Unfortunately, you know, everybody, um, governments have their own ways of pulling and pushing what they need to be doing at that time. And obviously we have to obey the law. <laughs> so what I'm hoping though, moving forward that 
COVID's going to be a, is a part of life now, just like the yeah. flu, just like anything is now. And I think anything that's ever newly introduced to the world and that we don't know about, we're obviously going to be afraid of at first. Um, and I think moving forward, it's just going to be a part of life. I think we're just going to have to deal with it and hopefully um, everybody stays strong and still goes to shows and that shows keep happening, you know? Um, and I don't think that's going to be a deterrent for a lot of musicians now because they have to make a living, you know, and people are wanting to live their lives. So I think that's what I'm hoping moves forward for the future. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I'm, I was, kind of disappointed that everything turned into a festival for a, at least as as much as it did because if it would have happened when i was in my early 20s i would have loved it but everything became a festival in my late 30s i'm like i don't know if i want to do three days of these things <laughs> constantly right but uh, now uh, on the flip side now things are, are kind of be going back to becoming not not a uh, not full on festivals, but definitely all day events. And like, I can handle that. And I think a lot of them that are lining up are getting pretty good. And it's, it's like, um, I'm really, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to interrupt for a second. My dog is whining at the door and it threw me uh-huh. way the fuck off. I'm like, what is I, that? It's my I kind of heard it, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Oh my gosh. What the hell is up with my damn dogs? Oh, my gosh. I swear to God. I'm sorry about this, man. Um, no, you're fine. You're uh, fine. This is great. It's real life, man. Live entertainment yeah. right here, everybody. Oh, that is actually one thing I wanted to kind of get your opinion on, is uh, with everything going from festivals and this, that, and the other, and now what I'm seeing is everything is going to a tribute, and I think Pantera might be the first uh step in that and I don't know how to feel about it. Like I'm I've seen I've seen the footage, the live footage is the sounds good and I'm I, I, I understand the meaning behind it. I think everybody's in it for the right reasons, but it's such a man, I'm such a hardcore Pantera fan. That's such a hard one for me. I have mixed feelings about it. Um there's some things where I'm like it's cool. And then there's sometimes where I'm just like, man, you know, as long as it's called a tribute, cause it's in my eyes, that's, it's not Pantera, you know, that yeah. would be like, and I, hopefully I'm not getting too, um, too, uh, graphic when I say this, but even Vinny Paul said this in an interview, and because he, he got approached by it all the time, everybody yeah. was always asking yeah. Vinny, "When is it going to happen?" And Vinny once sat there and said, "So, let's put it this way." And then it, it bless his heart, he was even talking about his own brother. And I, I mean, I couldn't even imagine him even saying this to someone, but he did. And uh, someone was like, "So, you know, why why wouldn't Pantera get back together? Why is it not going on?" And he's like, "Here, listen here, man." Um, people are are always going to like think about themselves they're not going to think about other people 
And he's like, you know, for, here's a good instance. What if someone came up to Eddie Van Halen and shot him in the head five times? And then someone said, hey, you know, let's get let's let's go get get Zach Wild in here to take Eddie's place. And, and yeah. we'll just call it Van Halen. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? And so there's the whole story, you know, where, um, you know, Phil was talking about how um, he said something you know, wish Dime would freaking someone take him out or hurt him or something. And then not even a week or two later, that happens to Dime at the Alarosa Villa, yeah. you know? And how could you not take it to heart? You know what I mean? Like Vinny, that was his brother. Vinny was on stage. Vinny literally watched his brother die, you know? And I got to know Vinny a little bit. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys ever went down to Dallas and went to the clubhouse, the strip club they owned or anything like that. But Vinny was there a lot and he always had this bodyguard with him. His name was Cowboy. He was like a big dude that had this cowboy hat on. And, you know, if Vinny went to the bathroom, he went to the bathroom. Wherever Vinny went, he went because Vinny had PTSD. I mean, like, who oh, would if you were at a show? Yeah. You know what I mean? So. If you could only imagine living with that, and obviously he got past that, you know, bless his heart, Vinny, rest in peace. Um, you know, that's where I rest with all that. Now, on the flip side of it all, um, there's a lot of kids that never got to experience a Pantera show. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that didn't get to see the show. If there was anyone to fill Dime's place, I think they did a good job in picking out the people as far as them and Charlie to, to do those positions. Those guys have known Vinny and Dime for a long time, you know, and I I don't question the fact that those guys would do anything to do the best they could for those people. Are, are they going to sound exactly like them? No, you know. If Dime, if the roles were reversed, and let's say Zach was gone now, and Dime was still alive, you know, let's say that they approached Dime to say, "Hey, man, would you go do something for for Zach Wild?" Of course, Dime's going to do it. Is he going to sound exactly like Zach? Absolutely not. You know, no <laughs> one's ever going to sound like someone else because you're not them, um, and that's just the bottom line well, you know yeah. what I and mean? then you take somebody with when you scale up the level of talent and precision needed to be a guitar player at that caliber level at that level you know now you're now your level of uniqueness is even you have even bigger gaps so right you know when they first were toying the idea around of a pantera <laughs> thing i heard one of the original ideas was that they it was going to be Phil and Rex, and they were going to tour each city with the best uh, drummer guitar players in that state that they were going to do this thing, I guess. I don't know, contest of sorts, I guess. But it never came to fruition. I'm like, I, you know, when it comes to the spirit of doing that, uh, you know, uh, what do you do? Uh, I'm a, I'm with you though. I have a hard time calling it Pantera. I, I think I would I, I would I would like it to be called like a vulgar display of Pantera or a tribute, maybe type name. But uh, yeah, I'm mixed on that. I'm, I have mixed feelings about that. <laughs> Same. Yeah, yeah. Like I, 
at, it's like one part of me is like it's awesome they're doing it because people that haven't got to see him have have an opportunity to see what is now the closest version you're ever going to get you know but on the same hand you have all these people saying oh it's a cash grab and it's blah 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 and all this stuff and it's like you know i get that too but obviously you know i just the one thing that really bugs me a lot is the fact Vinny didn't do it for a long time and he never did do it. And there was a reason why he didn't do it. And if Vinny never did it, there's a reason, you yeah. know what I mean? Like whether it be that was their own personal reasons ob- there's the obvious reasons it never happened. But you know, at the end of the day, it never did. And there was a reason why it didn't. Um, and I think he just didn't want to uh, kill that legacy of Pantera. You know, they wanted and he, he I think at the end of the day, Vinny didn't want to have that taken away from his brother. You know what I mean? And of course, there's a lot of personal feelings there, obviously. Yeah. Um, and who wouldn't feel that way if they saw their own brother or sister or family member die in front of them like that? Yeah, it's you one know? of those. So. It's like everybody, everybody on both sides of the argument is correct. You know what I mean? Uh, exactly. Uh, Absolutely. One hundred percent. And Dimebag was uh, such a unique guitar just guitar player never mind unique in in metal as a metal guitar player but just as a guitarist himself is so unique it's just when you start talking tribute with something like that it's just like uh, okay right. it's it's almost like with ozzy like people can play randy Rhodes licks but it's just it's it's never gonna be Randy Rhodes. He's had entire sections of careers with guitar players that are unique because of the guitar player. And right. um, I don't know, man. Well, I mean, there's 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 tons of examples of that. You know, and it may not be the guitar player, but members of bands. Like, yeah. let's look at the Doors. The Doors never did anything. You know, after he passed away, it was done. Yeah. You know. Same thing with Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin. I mean, they did have his son come out and do some shows, but look at what happened. It was tribute. Yeah, it was a tribute. And they called it a tribute, as should be, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. You know, and that's what I'm saying is like, you know, it's not any any different scenario. You know what I mean? It's there's not all the. A reunion show is when there's an original, all the original members are in a band doing a show. I'm clarifying this for the audience. Reunion means all the original guys got together and they're playing a show. That's what a reunion is. A tribute is people such as, you know, um, non-original members going in with maybe some original members or an original member, one, and doing a a, sh- a show so i uh, just want to clarify those things some people get that stuff confused well and there's always people that split the hairs because there's bands that transcend that and there's not many but like the acdc's you have a member that dies and they become even bigger in their second act which is super rare right. 
is ex- super exceedingly rare, but it does happen, and that's those are the guys. It they're does. the outliers. They. <laughs> it does. I actually, when I was in Perth, Australia, um, I got to go see uh, what's his name's uh, gravesite. Um, oh, bon Scott? original vocalist Bon Scott's gravesite. Yeah, nice. Um, we went and, and visited it. At, I was out actually with Fear Factory and. Uh, I was with Dino Cazares and we were like walking up to check it out and uh, he, his gravestones there. And I'm going to assume it's, you know, it was a cemetery for cremated uh, cemetery. So there were small, small areas. And uh, Dino was like, man, I wish I had a pick to like put here because there was stuff laying there. And I was like, well, matter of fact, I just happened to pick one up last night off the floor and I gave it to him out of my pocket. And he was like, ah, so awesome. Nice. He put it there. But <laughs> yeah, they have a statue out there that's off. It's like by the beach out there. Uh, I don't know specifically where, but it's in Perth. And then um, then they have his his grave sites like absolutely in there too as well. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty cool. Nice, man. I've I have uh, only been within the continental North American borders. I've never uh, been across either pond. Yeah, it's. I probably wouldn't have either if I wouldn't have toured. You know, I, before I toured and started doing anything as far as the tech side of it all, the only places I ever been was probably like Oklahoma, Arkansas, Kansas, Texas, and that was probably about it. Man. Made the jump, huh? <laughs> it was like, it wasn't just a jump. It was just like a leap, man. It was crazy. <laughs> well, crazy. Uh, um, take us through some of the stuff you got lined up, maybe for 2023, before we wrap up and get out of here. You got anything on the on the Jerry Low Life interviews that um, you got coming up? So, if you guys aren't familiar with it, I do do my. Uh, uh, it's a podcast, but it's also it's a TV show. I like to call it. Um, but I do my interviews on Facebook at Jerry Low Life Interviews, um, and uh, I don't have specifics lined up right now. I took a little break because, as you guys know, in the music industry, uh, and it's not just music industry. I do everybody that's in the entertainment industry. But right now, that's what I focus on a lot because that's where I come from, and it's a little bit easier to do. So I'm still in my stepping stones, but um, I've reached out to a lot of musicians for this next year, starting out um, because everybody's kind of home for holidays. A lot of the tours are winding down, so people want to be at home. So I'm not trying to bug people, and I'm kind of waiting for after the year. So um, I have people like Dino Cazares that have reached out to you. He's a guitar player for Fear Factory that I work for. Um, another one is Austin Demon. He used to he was with Devil Driver. Just announced that he is retiring from Devil Driver, but um, he's going back to go play some special shows with Chimera. That's going to be happening in May. It's a two nighter at the uh, at the Agora. Um, and then you know um, I've reached out to a few of the guys that I know in the industry. Um, um, one being uh, another drummer, which is uh, Ryan Van Puderden. He's a drummer uh, that I met. Uh, it was like 2014, I want to say. Um, I did a three-month tour with the Fear Factory, and it was with Devin Townsing as well. Um, and uh, Ryan was the drummer for Devin Townsing, which absolutely phenomenal person. Um, but yeah, those are a few things maybe to look forward to coming up. I haven't, and you guys are getting that exclusive from me because I have nothing posted about any of that right now on Woo-hoo. my page. 
Um, so that's an absolute exclusive to you guys. But yeah, um, those are some things to look forward in 2023. Um, I'm kind of aiming to do it probably mid January. It's probably going to be more or less probably in the starting of February or so uh, when I start getting that kicked off. So yeah. Well, cool, you man. Check, um, it, you can check it out on Facebook. And then I have my edited videos on Jerry Low Life interviews on YouTube as well. So cool. That's what I was just going to ask. What's the uh, what's the easiest place to, to get it to get it at? Is it on YouTube or probably the most common? So for Facebook, they obviously are live. That's the thing that's different from my TV show than a lot of people's is I do my interviews live so people can interact and ask questions to any of the artists or people that I'm talking with. So if you guys want to see the live show, you can come check me out on Facebook. If you guys miss the show and you just want to see the show for what it is, I will have an edited version usually that next week. Um, and I'll have it placed on my YouTube channel and you guys can go just watch them there. So very cool, man. Well, man, um, I hope you guys have a great holiday on your end. Um, we're going to wrap up and get on out of here. I think, uh, we're going to, we're going to downshift to the end of the year ourselves. Um, I think this will actually be the last episode for the year. I think this will be our last one for the year. Um, Right but on. We'll let you know when it drops, and I'll, we'll send you all the information and everything along with it. Um, cool. Is there anything in closing, any shout-outs, or anything you want to uh, put out there before we get going? I just wish everybody happy holidays. Take care of each other. Be good to each other. I wish uh, you guys, John and Brad, thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it very much, reaching out to me. And uh, happy holidays to yours yours and your families as well so thank you so much thank you man thanks for coming on and and again happy holidays and happy new year and we'll maybe we'll catch up with you next year see what's what's going on with everybody individually maybe we're all collective millionaires by the time this is all said right (laughs) absolutely that would be amazing all right man we'll, we'll see you later man take care Yep, sounds good. Take key. Take it easy. Jonathan, if the people would like to donate to the show, how can they do that? Uh, the Local Earshot Podcast, uh, we run on the value for value system. That is time, talent, and treasure. Uh, so we value everybody's time for listening. Uh, we are working toward videos. So um, if anyone wants to donate to the show or sponsor an episode, that would greatly appreciate it because um, that would help us actually expand to being able to do video and um, and, and you know bring the show to a more higher level. Uh, and then, um, as for talent, if you are an artist and you want to be on the show, then you can reach out to me at John at the local com or Brad on our Instagram page is the local earshot. Uh, um, yeah. And, uh, thank you for listening and happy holidays and everybody be safe out there. Love y'all. See y'all. Bye-bye.